It's time for the Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. It's Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. Well, today I thought I'd talk about, well, something I talk about every now and then in different ways because there are many facets of it. Some of the reasons why the Columbia River is such a challenging waterway and why we have two sets of marine pilots here and why the place is in general considered to be one of the most difficult waterways in the world to navigate. Now, some of this has to do with the physics of water, but also it's because the Columbia River is odd in some ways compared to other waterways in the world, and that affects the experience of ships arriving here and traveling inland. So you might think that with all the modern equipment that ships have on board these days, that it would be relatively easy to get a ship from one place to another. And the reality of this is that in actual practice, that is not really true in all situations, although technology has helped professionals like pilots reduce risk. But the risk is still there, and it requires managing by real humans in real time on board the ship. That's why when I hear about autonomous ships taking to the waters of the world, in the back of my mind, I think probably not here. So let's talk about why that is. For most of us on land, seeing a ship go by is a pleasant sight. And unless you happen to see the pilot transfer happening off the Astoria waterfront or in an anchorage somewhere on the river, you might even think there was no one on board. In fact, there's a crew of about 30 people on the ship handling various responsibilities. And on the bridge, which is usually at the very top of the ship in that tall, white, or brightly colored boxy structure called the house, is a room full of windows, and that's the bridge. It's the master control center for steering and navigating the ship. That's where the captain is, and he or she is in close contact with the chief engineer in the engine room down below in the ship via telephone so that they can coordinate closely if needed. So a lot of critical things happen there on the bridge, and critical decisions are made there. When a ship approaches the river entrance out in the ocean, a bar pilot boards the ship at sea before it ever enters the river. Once on board, the pilot assesses the situation and then proceeds to offer course settings and other navigational information to the helmsman through the captain. If the ship is going upriver, as it passes Astoria, the river pilot boards and the bar pilot exits, and the river pilot takes the ship to its upriver destination. You probably know something about this if you've heard my show much. There's so much to consider during this process, and the two different parts of the river present different challenges that require different types of expertise. Now, I don't know all the nuances, of course, and what goes into this. That would take many years of experience that I don't have. But I know enough to know it's complicated and nuanced and requires a person with great experience and expertise to pull it off on a good day, never mind a day when emergencies pop up unexpectedly or there's bad weather. So pilots are master mariners who are able to keep their wits about them no matter what happens. So here's a bit about what I know about what bar pilots are dealing with on arriving ships. We'll start with that because the bar pilots get on board first on a ship that arrives here. The mouth of the Columbia River is unusual in that it does not have a delta of silt or sand fanning out into the ocean offshore like, say, the Mississippi River does that might mitigate the effects of the ocean's energy and waves. Instead, we have the massive Astoria Canyon offshore underwater. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a big abyss offshore, and it's deep. 
So we have that instead of like a continental shelf and a gradual increase of the depth or like an underwater beach, which you might think of if there were a delta there. So the effect is that waves that arrive here from offshore are in deep water all the way until they reach the mouth of the river. And once they do, the full force of their energy hits the river's mouth. So the effect, especially on an ebb current, when the river is rushing toward the sea, the effect of the ocean slamming into the river's mouth is kind of like two immovable objects crashing together like a collision. And because water under normal conditions can't be compressed, water that hits an opposing force scatters and spreads its energy in sometimes unpredictable directions. That causes waves and turbulence and dangerous conditions there at the mouth of the river. That's part of the reason there's a bar weather forecast there, which warns you of when the ebbs are at the mouth of the river, those ebb current times, those max ebb current times when the river is moving fast and slamming into the ocean there at the mouth of the river, to let you know to stay away from the mouth of the river then, especially in small boats. Even big ships in rough weather will avoid the bar on an ebb. It's just too turbulent and uncontrollable. And there are depth issues at the mouth of the river that are a factor in bad weather. A ship entering the river here might draw, say, 30 feet of water. The depth of the channel at the mouth of the river is about 55 feet. And if you have 20-foot waves, it just takes a simple bit of arithmetic to figure out that a 30-foot deep ship bottoming out in the trough of a 20-foot wave could easily slam into the bottom and breach the hull. So when the waves get too high at sea and on the bar, the pilots don't risk putting a ship in that position and they close the bar to ship traffic. That's one of the many considerations that go into bar closures. And we as people on land know the bar is closed when we see that it is on red status. So the effect of bringing a vessel in from the wide deep ocean where it can bounce around and not hit anything and taking it into the confined space of a ship channel in a river is profound. The risk of hitting something like the bottom or another vessel is much higher, and the ability to control a ship in confined waters becomes even more important than it is in the open sea. Well, let's assume it's not a bad weather day, and the ship has crossed the bar into the river without incident. There are still big influences on the hull of the ship from the heavy current and often winds happening on the lower river. This causes pilots to have to correct the ship's course so that it kind of crabs along at an angle in the river sometimes. Pilots have told me about instances where they have to tell a captain to direct the helmsman to steer, say, at the bridge instead of under it or toward land instead of straight down the channel, which can be unnerving for crew on board. But the experience and expertise to know when to use this, one pilot called it understanding the English of the vessel, to correct for current and wind is vital and part of the long-term skill that pilots bring to the table in their work on the river. It's not something you can automate. It's something a pilot learns through experience and knowledge to apply on the spot by assessing the conditions on the fly that are happening right now. It's impressive and it happens here every day. Tomorrow we'll talk about river pilots. You've been listening to The Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. If you'd like to see today's ship schedule, you'll find it on my website at shipreport.net, along with a podcast of this program, and I put links to both on my Ship Report Facebook page.